He's still <laughs> just going to. <laughs> okay. Oh, there you go. You slide your finger up. It. It's stopped. It's locked into recording now. Okay. Right. Do you want to know the topic? Um. Yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah, I'll figure it out anyway. But yeah, what is it? Diagnoses. Oh, okay. So. When did she get diagnosed? Uh, when I was 26. I think a diagnosis, though, always does the thing in months. So, you know, like, when you're younger... When you're, you're 15 months old. When you're like... like no, when you're like, oh, I'm seven and a half. So oh, okay. it says, like, 26 and eight months or something like that. So okay. I'm 33 now. So, yeah, that was a bit ago, I guess. Five and a bit years. Yeah. Okay. How did you get diagnosed? Um... I got diagnosed because I got out of a relationship with a girl who said that she thought I was emotionally dead inside and told me that if I didn't sort myself out that she'd worry that one day I'd be one of those people that like takes a gun to work and just <laughs> kills everyone, like climb a clock tower or something. So she said that I need professional help. So I saw a therapist and it was like a private one that I, I think I just Googled what, Thera- did you pay for it? Yeah, yeah, it was a private one. I just Googled therapy in Bournemouth, um, got some woman that was a psychotherapist or something like that, and yeah, I paid. It was like £50 an hour. But for the first session, she invited me there just to see, you know, why I was coming, and I explained to her, like, the fact that all my relationships ended for the same reason, um, and that reason being that I apparently was emotionally unavailable or didn't care if they were upset you know that kind of thing so like if a ex or a girlfriend just like was wanted to be like i suppose tactile or wanted comforting or wanted like some sort of like physical contact with me and i don't mean like sex or anything like that i just mean like want to hug or want to hold hands when we walk or you know like if they were genuinely upset and crying expecting me to go over and like comfort them in some physical way i just wouldn't uh, and like when girls have broken up with me in the past even if it's been a long relationship that we've been like proper seriously involved with I'd always just be like yeah sure whatever fine I'm good with that like so they just like that's not right and I explained that oh, that's how I've always been and everybody that ends it with me just goes I can't be with you anymore because you're just so like emotionally unavailable and just it's like you don't care and it was kind of like that with everything else so uh, like Christmas, like I didn't care, my birthday I wasn't bothered about, like in things that normally give like a good emotional reaction to people, um, I didn't, I would never react to anything. Did uh, you, when you were like having your therapy sesh, yeah. did you tell her about um, like Christmas and stuff or were you just talking about relationships uh, or did you start talking about all sorts? No, I talked to her, um, I tend to... I suppose it was a weird one. I kind of... It wasn't... I didn't talk about relationships. It kind of just moved into everything else. So, like, exes were annoyed that I never wanted to go on holiday. Mm. I was never interested in um, birthdays or anything like that. Uh, And I just had no emotional response to the things that everybody else does. So, like, everybody gets excited about, like, time off or, you know, like, they go to the beach or that kind of thing. And so I talked about that. I just talked about my entire life and how I didn't have any like close friends or how I didn't react to stuff emotionally and how I never had no positive like reactions to anything. And it was more about that. It wasn't about relationships. The relationship thing didn't come till later on in the conversations, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after an hour with this woman, she just went, oh, so like, when have you, when did you get your diagnosis of Asperger's? And I 
didn't know what she was talking about. I'd never heard that word before. So I was like, what's that? And then she explained to me, you know, what it was and said that I should probably get a diagnosis. Okay. So when she explained it to you, did you feel like it made sense or were you... Like, did you think, yes? That's not right. Or were you kind of thinking, nah? Um, I kind of didn't know what it was. Uh, she claimed that it, she told me that it was a form of autism, like autism I'd heard of. I knew what that was. Yeah. But obviously autism for me was, you know, like you see people walking around with like earmuffs on. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, Or you see people on like Channel 4 that can like, there's always that guy they show that they ride around New York once in a helicopter and then he can draw the whole of New York from memory. That for me was what autism was. Yeah. So when she told me it was that, I was like, no, that's that's not me. And like even when she said it was Asperger's, which was a different form of autism. The only thing I remember about Asperger's or had heard about Asperger's, from what I can remember, is that they couldn't people couldn't they couldn't make eye contact. Yeah. That's all I knew about it. And I just kinda of thought, I don't know, that's a bit much. But obviously she told me that right at the end of the first session I had with her. So she didn't really explain it. She just sort of said it. And then obviously when I got home, you just start Googling it all yeah. and looking it up, what it all is. And then you start seeing loads of similarities with yourself when you're like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe that is what it is. So when you were Googling it, yeah. what to you were you, did you find relatable? Like what things did you read and go, ah, yeah, that's like me? Um, So... It was things like, I don't know, actually, uh, that I'd consider were like me. It was things like just not being able to, like, emotionally respond to things properly, like not being, like, invested in things like your own family, friends, like that kind of thing, not not really having, like, a... Like, they always claim that the main thing is, like, lack of empathy and, like, or sympathy or that kind of thing, which is a weird one because I think I don't really have it towards other people, but I think I am able to have it. But yeah. it it was it was hard to explain really. Like I can't really think of anything that I would consider that, that just it just a lot of it made sense, but to be honest, it's been a while since I've looked up what it is. Um so I don't really know. I just know that I was different. I knew that I didn't have the same things as everybody else. I saw that the things people wanted in life or the hobbies, interests, the things they did with themselves, mm. how they were in a relationship, like their like whatever drives were. I realised I didn't have any of that stuff. Uh, and that I was socially awkward and that I did have problems with social cues, um, like getting people's jokes or saying inappropriate stuff to people that I would deem that's fine for me to say that because nothing yeah. in my head's going, don't tell them that. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that showed up in my diagnosis was something I did as a kid when my dog died, which was like a family dog and like I was interested in the dog and I played with the dog all the time but then when the dog died the first comment I came out with is my parents had just bought a new dog bed for it yeah like because it was old and they thought it would help but the dog died before the dog could get the bed and I just said oh we probably shouldn't have bought that new bed then yeah like and that was like my immediate reaction to that whereas like I think my brother was really upset everybody was upset because the dog got put down but I just pointed out the factual thing of you've just bought a bed that now is not going <laughs> to yeah. get used so like I guess stuff like that um they tell you that that's what it is about Asperger's that makes it that way and just not wanting to be round people and not wanting to be social and like people that enjoy going out drinking at night or hanging out with their friends like for me that that's a bit of a chore like yeah. I've got friends but that's because I kind of force myself to have them but then people demand like 
that you see them all the time outside of like I suppose work school that kind of thing why don't you come round yeah, we can go yeah. to the cinema together let's go for dinner and I just think oh, do we have to like and sometimes you can get out of it sometimes you can't but when you do go it's just it's a massive pain that you just think why are we is this going to end like yeah. when is this going to end the second I'm out I'm like why am I not at home right now why am I here with you yeah it's weird like I know that if someone wants me to do something and I've got like two days off work that week I think that's one of my days off even if I've got nothing planned for that day I yeah. still would rather be doing whatever on my own than be with people so get that is there like um did you doubt it at all so when the therapist said I think um, you've got Asperger's were you like researching it and even though there were things that you were like yes were, was there also a sense of but I can do that so maybe not no I I didn't think that so I kind of like you look at so if you look at like the standard things they look for for people that have Asperger's it's like the social cue stuff it's the not being able to like interact with people that well it's like having like obsessions or special interests that you become like wrapped up in that you can't focus away from like it's stuff like that so that kind of thing was all stuff that made sense but if I'm honest I just thought I was like dead inside and like just (laughs) this just like complete like cold-hearted like person that just couldn't like warm up to anyone who just didn't like people in general and just kind of just didn't care about anything or anyone so if I'm honest I look. I didn't look for the stuff that I didn't have, so I didn't look at things and think, I haven't got that. Maybe I don't have it. I was just happy that she kind of went, it's this. You're not dead inside. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're not just some, like, massive... I don't know. You're not just, like, this massive, like, horrible person that can't really, like, experience, like, love or, like, be nice to people. Because um, that's what I was worried she was going to say. Yeah. That she was going to say, you're just... This is your problem. Like, you have this massive, like emotional issue that you need to sort out or you're always going to be this way and you're always going to be miserable but it's fixable when she went you've got Asperger's I just kind of went thank god like (laughs) do you know what I mean like that that means that it's not my fault there's nothing wrong with me I just have this whatever this is and I didn't really look for the stuff I didn't have I just focused on the stuff I did have because I at that point I just really wanted I just really wanted it to be that yeah Uh, and then it became like everything I did was about getting asked and getting diagnosed and getting it official so that people like exes and that kind of thing would and like bosses at work and like lecturers at uni and that kind of thing would get off my back about the stuff that I knew I couldn't do anyway yeah because I could be like shut up it's this and not be like yeah you're right it's me I'll work on that so do you remember what happened after like after the therapist said I think you've got Asperger's. Do you remember, like, what the next step with that was? Uh, so she found the team. Um, yeah. There's a team in Bournemouth that do diagnose adults. Um, it's, like, one of the few. She told me how to get a diagnosis, which was... I had to go to my GP. Um, my therapist wrote me a, like, referral letter, which I gave to my GP and told my GP I need a referral to this diagnosis team. Yeah. Uh, and then I just went on a waiting list because, like I said, it's, there's not many adult diagnosis centres. Because Asperger's is... It seems to be more of something these days that's recognised in children. Yeah. Uh, and finding chil- like diagnosis centres for kids, they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, like, they diagnose kids from, like, the age of four because apparently that's when you can start seeing signs of that. But yeah. at my age, like, it's really hard to get a diagnosis. So I... 
uh, I was just lucky that I happened to be in Bournemouth at the time and there just happened to be a diagnosis centre here. But they told me at the centre people were coming from everywhere to do it. But yeah, I went to my GP, asked my GP for a referral. They sent a referral off. I then got added to a waiting list and just waited. And in the meantime, I carried on seeing this paid therapist uh, who knew something of Asperger's. I mean, obviously, she was able to see it in me straight away. Yeah. But so she kind of tried to help me with that while I was waiting for diagnosis. Uh, and then I just assumed once I got diagnosed, I'd be hooked up to the whatever Asperger's support networks are available, and then they'd help me from there. Okay. And then, so what What did happen then? So you got your referral. Got my referral. Got added to a waiting list. Um, they, they kind of screen you, sort of. So you have like a meeting with someone, and they talk to you about some stuff, and then they decide whether or not they think it's possible. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. you just have to go through like a diagnosis process. The whole thing took about a year. A year from me getting a GP referral to getting a formal diagnosis. It yeah. was about a year. Um, I remember having to do like three interviews where they ask you stuff about, like like the first one's about like kind of like your childhood. Do you remember about being a kid, being in school? Like, did you have friends? Um, how did you find school? Stuff like that. Then the middle ground one is... It's more about like your emotional responses to stuff. They ask you about things like when relatives have died or mm. um, when something's not happened to range it from that point. And then the third one is just like general chat stuff. Yeah. Plus your day-to-day, like do you have a routine? Um, what happens if you don't stick to your routine? You know, what happens if this happens? Like do you have obsessive thoughts with this? Does it stay with you? They ask you like stuff that you kind of know what they're asking for. The stuff when they're asking when you're a kid, it's much harder to figure out what they're getting at. But when they start talking to you, once you've done like research on Google and that kind of thing. And I was worried that because I'd researched on Google what Asperger's is, that I was lying. Um, Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I was just saying what they wanted so that I'd get diagnosed, but you forget that they're like professionals and you can't trick them into thinking you've got a diagnosis. Like they'll ask you stuff that's not Asperger related and you think it might be. So you start like second guessing. So like really I should have just been honest from the start because I could have like proper screwed it up for myself if they thought, wait a minute, he's just Googled this. Yeah, yeah. He's doing things. Uh, And then the interviewer parent, so, like, someone that knew you as a baby and knows the stuff about you that you will have no recollection of, which is useful. Um, they interviewed my mom. I think my mom said they spoke to her for, like, two hours on the phone. Jesus. Uh, and then they just give you some weird tests. Um, like, they make you look at, like, pictures of people's mouths and then you have to guess, like, what emotion they're feeling. Yeah. Um, but it's all different everywhere. Like, I think that's a Bournemouth thing. The woman that did it said that they made her own one up and I guess... If you go somewhere else, it's a different test altogether. The test down here is just, it was made by the two women that run the diagnosis thing. They came up with the whole, yeah, uh, how to diagnose someone. So, yeah, it was different. And then you have to wait for, wait for the outcome, wait for the report. And the report is quite long. I thought it'd just be a piece of paper. You know, like when you see in like movies and stuff, yeah. when people go to like an insane asylum and they just have a big rubber stamp that says insane. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it'd be like a piece of paper with my name on it with Asperger's. Like, <laughs> Stamped on. Or like not Asperger's. Um, but it was like this long 20-page report which pretty much covered everything I ever talked about. Uh, the trouble is I had with it is because I got it in my head that it would have like this Asperger's stamp on it. It didn't. Yeah. It just said right at the end, our outcome is that Nikki probably has Asperger's, which I was annoyed with because it said probably has Asperger's. So that wasn't enough. And like that's an Asperger trait right there is that I needed it. Like I needed it to put it. So I made them rewrite it. 
So the last sentence didn't say Nikki probably has Asperger's. It's like, our diagnosis is Nikki has Asperger's yeah. and I needed him to do it. I was like, because if you don't do that, I won't believe I've got it and I'll start looking for... Reasons. Or, to not have it. Like, the thing yeah. is, is I was all for having it, but I felt like I didn't. So that was the thing is when she said, that's what you've got, I didn't feel like that's what I got. Yeah. I thought, that's handy. I can say I've got that. And then that gets me out of loads of stuff, but I don't believe I do. So I was convinced all the way through the diagnosis thing that it was going to come back because that's not what it was and I'd have to try and figure out something else. And even now, even though I'm diagnosed now, um, I still don't believe I have it. Yeah. Um, so, but I have the piece of paper that says I do, so it doesn't matter what I believe. Like, somebody that knows how to spot it has said it's there, which is handy because I still, like, have periods of... I don't. Or I meet other people that have got it and they seem to have like a harder time of things than I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. So I think, oh, maybe I should be more like them. Like, maybe I don't have it. Maybe the diagnosis team got it wrong. I get that. I, like, since being told that I might have it, have constantly found things to be like, nah, see, I can do that. So yeah, I, I mean, must not have it. You've done that with me loads of times <laughs> yeah. where... Like, you've read up every trait that everyone's got. And everyone's got it differently. So you won't have all the traits. Yeah. Like, everybody's different. There's loads of stuff that I can do that you can't do. But it doesn't make it any different. I, like, I don't understand the full how it works. But I think it has something to do with the way you're raised. And the things yeah. you have to do. Like, obviously, you're 20. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? You've only gone 20 years of having to deal with it. Whereas I was 26. Do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd done uni, I'd done college, I'd done school, I'd had a few jobs, like, yeah, and I yeah. just had to learn to just, even though there was stuff that was really hard and was massively stressful and really wore me out or, like, was really hard to deal with and would cause me to have, like, massive, like... Meltdowns? Yeah, and, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I knew I just had to do it because I wasn't diagnosed and I didn't know what I had, so people just were, like, suck it up. Like, yeah. you should be able to do this, this isn't even that difficult. So I just have to do it. But in your case, you're 20, like, you've only really had, like, one job. You went to the same school. Do you know what I mean? Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. For you, it was you've not had to deal with it that much. So I feel like you've got, like, a, a pure reversion, as it were, to what I've got. Because yeah. Because mine's way more hidden than yours. So, like, I think I have all the same problems and traits and thought processes in a way that you do. Um, I think that's how I was able to spy it in you because you had no idea. Yeah, I did. Um, and it's me that kind of went, that's what that is um, because you have a lot of similar ones to me. But I think because I've had to deal with it more and be in and out of loads of different institutions more so than you, like I've been to uni like three times, college twice. Yeah. I've been into loads of different jobs. Like I feel like I've had to learn more how to bury it than you have. Yeah. Um. But then even with me, like, I wouldn't say that I seem that different when you don't know me. I don't know. Like, I, I think initially, like, when I didn't know you, I thought you were just a bit weird. Um, <laughs> like, just a bit odd. Uh, but I definitely noticed there was something odd about you. And it wasn't until we got talking that you told me all this stuff. And, like, privately, when you're not around anyone, like, you're, like, massively autistic. Yeah, I know. Like, with a lot of stuff that you do. It's just people won't ever see it. Like, and you kind of are good at burying it and pretending like it's not happening. And then just the second you're behind like a door where no one can see you, like <laughs> you just kind of like out. pull the plug on it and just let it all, like have all the day stuff come out like, in one go. Well, I don't do that. Um, like, I don't think there's levels of it. Like, I don't feel like once you've got a diagnosis of Asperger's, there's people that are more Asperger than the yeah, others. 
all I the think, same. Just... I think everyone's got the same, got it the same thing. I just think some people are better at not coping, but like with me, it's much harder to spot. Like most people that meet me don't think I've got anything. Yeah. Um, but that's because I'm better at hiding it. Um, and there's obviously loads of reasons for why I hide it. Um, whereas I think for you, you don't need to hide it. So you don't. Um, like I feel like you don't need to hide it that much. You're not a very like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not outgoing, but you don't put yourself out there that much. So people don't really know much about you anyway. No. You're quite hidden. You're quite private. So I think you don't notice it. Whereas for me, I'm not very private. And I've always kind of put myself in situations where... Yeah, like you've been on TV and yeah. stuff like that. You are more open. Yeah, and it's not that. It's just because, like, to put yourself out there it attracts less attention and you appear more normal when you do the things yeah. that everybody else does. So I think I've just taught myself how to do everyday normal stuff and appear normal and appear like everybody else because it, it stops people from thinking, like, what's the deal with you? Like, why are you so different? Whereas yeah. I think for you, you've not... You don't care. So you don't have that part of you that thinks, I need to stop, like, appearing differently uh, and then figure out ways around it. Like, the things I do to appear normal, like, are massively stressful and tiring to me. Uh, and they, like, wear me down a lot. Whereas for you, like, I think there's just that part of you that just doesn't care. Like, yeah. how you're seen in that sense. So, like, you don't hide it as much as me. Yeah. No, probably. Like, I think your diagnosis will be way quicker like even though you've not been diagnosed um you've seen so you've seen you saw a therapist yes but like a whatever nhs one uh and they pretty much yeah like i didn't mention he didn't mention it like you didn't say you were in there to get your aspergers like i think i've got aspergers do you think i've got aspergers you didn't do that you just let her see if she could find it and she found it yeah like i more went to see why she thought i was so shit like social stuff yeah and then when you went to the screening thing um, like the thing where the, the Asperger team yeah, try yeah. and decide they didn't go nah like there's yeah, no point they... even putting you on a waiting list because like obviously loads of people want to get on the waiting list like the fact that you got on it I reckon so and I'm convinced you definitely do like there's no part yeah. of me that thinks you don't and you're just going for the same process as me um, but I imagine you've got I suppose different reasons like I don't know if you'd not met me or if we hadn't worked together or anything like that I don't know if you ever would have got diagnosed or everybody else ever would have spotted it yeah well I'd, i never thought therapy like i wouldn't have gone to therapy in the first place i don't think because even though i know that i'm not very good at things and like i get weirdly stressed out i don't think that i would have bothered like f- trying to get help like i just assumed that was normal like i just kind of felt like everyone else was the same as me just they hid it as well like like, I didn't think I had a problem with eye contact. That's the thing that I never realised. But I thought that because I get weird about, like, people looking at my face, I always thought that's why I don't look at people. Like, I hide my face behind my hair so I don't make eye contact with people. And I have a thing of, like, I deliberately try and make eye contact when someone's looking away. And then that's, like, a little victory for me because I'm like, yes, see, I was looking at you, but you didn't see. And now I'm not looking at you, but you missed it, so it's fine. And, like, I never really realised that that was a weird thing I did until talking about diagnosis and, like, eye contact. And then I was like, ah, maybe I am not very good at it. Like, I thought I was fine, but three therapists have now told me that I can't make eye contact. So maybe that is a thing. Yeah, I mean, eye contact for me just freaks me out. 
when yeah. someone looks me directly in the eyes, I get weird and I lose like what I'm talking about. So like if someone looks me in the eyes, it kind of like it just I freeze and yeah. I can't remember what I was talking about. I just stop talking and I just stare and it's it's a weird one. So I don't do it. The only problem I found is once you find out that that's a trait of Asperger's that you don't make eye contact you realize you don't yeah so that's, like that's, that's that was the thing for me like i didn't realize that i didn't and like i can make eye contact it's not that i can't physically do it i can and i realize that i'm way better at doing it with people that i know yeah so if i know someone i can do it a little bit easier but if i don't know someone i, I can't like i just hate it it makes me really uncomfortable but i didn't really realize that that's what it was i always thought it was people looking at my face that i didn't like yeah, it's like um, my brother was down this weekend and I was very aware of the fact that I barely looked at him. Like, yeah. we talked, we talked a lot, but I found that when I talk to people, I don't look at them. Um, I'll look at, like, other stuff. I'll look at, like, things around them. Or, like, we were sat in a in a bar uh, having a drink and I realised that we were talking, but I was just looking at, like, an ashtray. Yeah. that was on the table in front of us like we were sat next to each other sort of so not opposite like he was sat to like the right of me um, and instead of turning to look at him I was just looking at an ashtray in the middle of the table and there was this bit of me after about 20 minutes of talking to him I just thought I have not looked at his face yeah. in the last half an hour whereas previous to that I wouldn't have noticed I wasn't doing it um, you just don't notice and you don't realise that for everybody else like uh neurotypical people um, and people that aren't on the spectrum in general like they always look at people in the face yeah um, and when you don't look at them in the face they see you as like like some people are like oh I don't trust someone that can't look me in the eye yeah or like I do you know I mean like they're a bit shifty for me that guy um, you know when like people say look me in the eye and like tell me tell me the truth yeah. like that's like a big thing for regular folk like for the neurotypical crowd like they that's they see that as like a, a sign of i don't know like i suppose trust in that with someone so when they meet someone that can't do it they think that like you're secretive or you're a liar or there's something yeah. like not quite right about you because you can't look them in the face or look them in the eye when you talk to them um and i feel like that's where a diagnosis is useful for stuff like that yeah definitely like my brother doesn't ever think when he was down this weekend like what the hell was going on with him he couldn't look at me in the face. Couldn't look me in the face once. Yeah. Didn't do it once. Like, what? A, how weird. I think he, because he understands, like, my brother's... I suppose my brother's, like, a different case because he's worked with people with Asperger's before. Yeah, he's before. a psychologist. Well, he did psychology and that at uni, and he used to work at, a, like, a special needs school. Okay, um, yeah. Where he worked with people that had autism and, I think, like, blind people or deaf people, I can't remember. Uh, so he's used to it. Yeah. So when I do stuff that he knows is a trait, like, he kind of just won't mention it he's just fully aware of the fact that that's what i do but for the rest of everybody else um that's what the diagnosis is for but the problem with the diagnosis is when you say to someone i've got asperger's nine times out of ten they just sort of go what's that like yeah or they know they've heard it somewhere um but they're not sure where they heard it or what it actually means so then you have to go for the like the default I'm autistic. Yeah. But saying to someone you're autistic, like, opens up this, like, whole other thing. Like, everybody else has their... Everybody has their own, like, version or belief on what they think autism is. And they just apply that straight to you. Yeah, and like, oh, you must not be able to do this or this then. 
Yeah, like, and they, they think people that like a non-verbal autism, like or people that just don't talk, or people that like, do you know I mean have like weird um, ticks or stims yeah. where they like, you know, like will start like pulling their own hair or like that kind of thing. They assume that that's what it must be. So when I'm not doing any of that stuff. They're just like, oh, well, you don't seem to have it that yeah, bad. Yeah, I though. imagine that's really annoying because you're, especially because you hide it. Yeah, I mean, when I got diagnosed, it was fine. But then when you have to tell people, I mean, obviously you only tell people like, well, you can tell who you want, I guess. I don't care who knows, if I'm honest. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make a difference to me. I could tell everyone. I could wear a T-shirt that says, like, I have Asperger's and wear it all day and not care who knows about it and who doesn't know about it. I'm really open about talking about it. Some people aren't. Like, that's fine. Yeah. Um... So when I tell, like, bosses or, like, just various people, like, and you tell them yeah. uh, I've got Asperger's, um, most people will go, oh, yeah, but, like, you must have a really mild, <laughs> like, diluted, like, you can't have it that badly. Like, I yeah. wouldn't have noticed. If you hadn't have said nothing, I wouldn't have noticed. And for me, that's annoying. Like, because yeah. it reminds me, one, that... Like, when you've already got that doubt that I need that piece yeah, of paper. Yeah, so now it's in your head when that maybe you don't. random people saying, I don't think you do, you do start thinking, like, oh, maybe my diagnosis was wrong. Maybe I don't have this. And, like, one of the main reasons I got diagnosed is I was pursuing stuff in my life that I couldn't achieve. And that's yeah. because of my Asperger's. Um, like, I was achieving, like, I wanted, like, job satisfaction. I wanted to enjoy, like, holidays. I wanted to enjoy, like, being out yeah. in public with people. Um and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't. So I just thought it was something like something like some sort of like emotional trauma that yeah. I was like suppressing. Um, so when you realise that you're never going to get that, like that's not going to happen. It takes ages after you're diagnosed to accept that as a reality anyway. Yeah. You do start thinking like, so you're telling me that I'll never really experience happiness or any sort of satisfaction out of something. Yeah. Um, and one of the things you'll find, like I'm sure you're the same, is... I can't accept compliments of people. No. When people pay me a compliment, it it's just awkward. I just feel so awkward and yeah. difficult. Like, I just think, like, oh, Jesus, like, what do I do? Like, what do I do with this? You either just ignore it. Yeah. And just sort of go, okay, um, thanks. <laughs> and, like, just try and quickly, like, sidestep that. Or if you accept it and go, like, yeah, thank you. Yeah, like, I then think, like, oh, was that, like, massively egotistical? Yeah, does that just... sound cocky? Or sometimes you just go, no, um, no, I don't think so. Like, and you just get weird. But um, then, then they push it. If you say no, then they're like, no, no, you do. And there's no end to that. It's Yeah, so it's, it's stuff like that that um, you start thinking, there's the things I used to do before diagnosis that I thought was weird about me. So when you, yeah. when you start being not able to accept compliments, you start believing you just have some like massive self-esteem issues. Um, yeah. And like when you can't feel like any sort of satisfaction from anything you do, like you start wondering why can't I? Like you see people like at work, like um, do you know I mean like merchandise a shop window? Yeah. Stand back at it and think. That was a good job. I've done a good job there. Look how good that is. Whereas I'd be like, um, I can't, I don't care. It's over. Like, it's done. It's like, even though I've got a degree, like, when I tell people now that I went through uni without a diagnosis and it was a massive struggle and I've come out at the end with a degree, like, people are just like, well done. Like, well done to you. Like, you've got a degree. But for me... I just kind of want to be like, shut up. Like, it was horrible. Like, I'm surprised I made it through the three years. Like, I'm surprised I got anything out of it. But they're like, it's a big achievement. You should be proud. And like, I don't feel like 
pride from anything I do or I never have a sense of achievement with anything anyway yeah like even if I've achieved something that somebody else has to then tell me that's a big deal doesn't matter how many times they say that's a big deal for me I still think like shut up yeah like it wasn't it wasn't a big deal like like a monkey could have got that degree like that that (laughs) is irrelevant to me like when people tell me that I got to 26 and like got through school and got through college and managed to get to uni and graduate from uni and like because I'm a supervisor in a shop like and it's retail and people with Asperger's shouldn't be in retail and all that other stuff people like you should be proud of that but what I feel is is it was a massive waste of my time all of it yeah like and had I been noticed and had someone have actually diagnosed me at an appropriate age like four my life would be completely different now and I'd be doing something else um so i feel i always feel annoyed that i'm a late diagnosis anyway yeah um like i've written about it before in a blog um the difference between people that get diagnosed when they're young to adults and how their aspergers are so different to each other yeah like i feel like late diagnosis and early diagnosis people on the like people with aspergers are nothing like each other because the people that get diagnosed young just they're allowed to let it just like I suppose flourish is the word I want, but... I feel like they get to be more like themselves. Yeah. Like, even though you say, like, mine, I'm more... It's more obvious to spot in me, like, I still feel like I would be massively different if I didn't have to, like... If I hadn't had to, like, be forced to go to sleepovers and, like, be forced to try and make friends and, like, be forced to do stuff like and learn how to act differently like I feel like there's still an element of fakeness or I definitely feel like there's things I used to do that I just put on that I'd wish I just never bothered doing yeah I mean I know what you mean like I have molded my entire personality yeah into something that I know will be accepted and people will get along with and it's recognized but I'm fully aware of the fact that the person I am now and who I portray myself out in public is not who I actually am. Yeah. Like, in any way. It's just this, like, fake personality that I'll put on when I'm out around people because that's what I've done to keep myself out of trouble, I suppose, and just, just like, survive, Yeah. like, days. Um, which annoys me because had I been diagnosed when I was younger, I wouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Like, and you see people that are diagnosed when they're young and they're told it's fine, you don't have to do that or it's okay that this doesn't happen and don't worry about that. Whereas for me, it was more like, you need to start getting better at this and you need to learn how to talk to people and you need to, like, do you know yeah. what I mean? So I've made, like, this completely different, like, I don't know who the hell I am, like, and who I portray myself as. I'm, I'm fully aware of the fact that it's a massive act that I'm putting on. Yeah. Um, and even though I've been diagnosed now, like, I suppose... It's been, um, what, like five years? Five and a bit years. Yeah. Like, five and a bit years is not long enough to reverse, like, 26 yeah, yeah. years of, like, fitting in. So, like, even though I think I'm a bit more open and a bit more who I want to be now, well, not who I want to be, but I'm a bit more, like, what I want to do, I do. Yeah. It is really hard to get out of the routines and schedules of, um, what I used to do to appear normal to everybody else. I think it'd be easier for you because you're 20. Um, do you know what I mean? So like, yeah. Even though there's only like a six years difference, like I feel like you, because Wait, you're how five years. Well, if I got like, oh yeah, you're 21 now, yeah. But like, I started talking about this when you were 20, like yeah, yeah, the process, yeah. uh, and it was like 26 and eight months. Like yeah, even though yeah, that's yeah. like a six year gap, I feel like because you're just finishing uni now. 
you've got time to like yeah. reverse it. Like with me, it was difficult when I got diagnosed because they kind of didn't give me like something where they went, here's how you fix this. Like my mom and other people were just like, now you've been diagnosed, like you can pursue what makes you happy, yeah. what you'll be satisfied with. But my, uh, they put you into therapy once you've been diagnosed. You see like a therapist that deals just with people Asperger's. Yeah. I saw her for like a year and a half after I was diagnosed, like weekly sessions, just dealing with the aftermath of being told, <laughs> by the way, you're autistic. Um, and she kind of told me that I thought what she'd do is go, you're autistic and here's now how to achieve job happiness and yeah, here's yeah. how to enjoy going on holidays and here's which what she went was you need to accept the fact that this is how you are and you will never have these things but you need to just be okay with that and that took like three and a bit years to get myself in the mindset of that's fine yeah and the problem with that is when you tell someone oh it's fine i'll never be really happy and i'll never really be satisfied with something and i'll never feel like pride or achievement when you tell neurotypical people that they do this like weird sympathetic thing where they go, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> like, how are you ever going to cope? Like, well, that kind of thing. But I always kind of feel like because you're born that way when you've got Asperger's and you've gone your entire life never experiencing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you don't miss it. It's not like I had normal emotions and normal working empathy, sympathy, and I was able to get happy and achieve these things. And then all of a sudden, one day, I just couldn't anymore. Yeah, you're you've just always been like that yeah you know like when they always tell you like is it worse to be like being able to see and then go blind or people that people are born blind like which is worse yeah like and i always feel like people that could see and now can't have it worse than the people that were born that way because people that born that way have always been that way and they didn't need to adapt that's just who they are yeah um i think the thing i had a problem with was that my entire life was aimed at finding a job i was convinced that everybody in their life has this one job that's the perfect that's their perfect job and the reason that i wasn't experiencing satisfaction or happiness within my work was because i just kept picking (laughs) the wrong jobs and one day i would just do a job and you're like this is it this is great i'm liking all this yeah um so and i'd convinced myself that's how it worked same with like holidays same with relationships i just figured that once i got the right one i'd experience like you just suddenly i'm like oh my god like this is perfect yeah um and trying to get out of that mindset was the problem i had it wasn't the accepting that i'll never have the stuff it's the fact that everything i ever did was to pursue these things that i just thought i just need to i just need to keep trying stuff yeah um and the problem is with asperger's as well is you get into like a routine of doing the same things over and over again so you don't try new stuff anyway so that adds to it because you think well i'm not trying new stuff that's why i'm not liking anything (laughs) um but then when you accept that you won't anyway no matter what you do it makes your routine of just doing the same thing over again way more acceptable because you think yeah uh I don't need to try something else because it'll be the end result. Like I used to tell people the reason I don't go on holiday is because I can't holiday from myself. And they used to be like, what? And I'd be like, it doesn't matter where I go. I'm still me. I'm still going to have the yeah. same problems. Um, which when you tell people that, they just think like, oh my God, like that is like one of the most depressing like, <laughs> things I've ever heard. Like, how can you have that thought about yourself? You need help me. Okay. Like people that go on holiday get away from like their regular routine of life, like their job, yeah. their house the the grind of it all and they just like to go sit like on a beach or whatever it is that people like to do on holiday but for me i'm still taking my mindset with me so yeah, why bother going 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it's the uh, it's the change of routine that I don't like. Like, I'm going to a place where I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what food I'm going to eat. I don't know where I'm going to be living. I don't know, like, I don't like traveling. Traveling stresses me out massively. And every time I've traveled somewhere, I've always had a fight. Like, if it was family holidays, there'd always be an argument with my parents because I can't travel. Yeah. I'm a shitbag when I travel. So that was a thing. But, yeah, like, I don't know. It's a weird... Do you feel like you're different since getting diagnosed? Um, I'm different in the sense that I'm way more open with it. Uh, okay. So, like... I didn't get in a relationship for, like, three years after the one that I broke up in. So, and the first relationship I got in, I understood my Asperger's to a point. I knew, like, the things I did in relationships. I warned the people I got with, yeah. this might happen. Um, like, I do this a really annoying thing. So, I mean, obviously, I don't want to go into too much with this in case we talk about it later on. Yeah, yeah. But I've done this thing where I've got really good at reading, like, regular people. Like, yeah. So I've learned how to read... Um, neurotypical people because I don't have like the the thing like the empathy of sympathy I can't pick up when someone's upset or when someone's angry yeah I just learned to kind of understand like body language and that kind of thing so I know when someone's feeling something based on what they're doing I kind of get a base of how they normally react and then when they differ from that I try and figure out why they're different and what the problem is um but the trouble with that is when I first get in a relationship with someone I know what they like and what they don't like and then I portray myself as everything they yeah, want in yeah, a relationship. I do the, same, yeah. the trouble is is that is massively exhausting and after 3 months you just think nah. Yeah. And just one day you wake up and it goes out the window and you become the person you actually are yeah. and the person you're with just has no idea what's happened. They just think like why have you what is going on here? Yeah. Um and you're just like yeah. So like in previous relationships I'd pretend like they were mental. So when that happened and they'd go you've completely changed. <laughs> I'd just be like no I haven't. Yeah. Even though I know I have. And like and it's weird with Asperger's because you wake up one day and know it's happened. You know you've changed. Yeah. You know that that morning you look at that person you're with and just go we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> Do you remember how I used to get up and make your breakfast and stroke your hair? That's out the window because my morning routine normally is I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to sort myself out. Like, that's what I do every morning and I'm sick of this. Every time I've woke up here, I have to do this. Today is the day I've stopped doing that because you're messing with my routines too much. Yeah. But they just like, oh, that's weird. He hasn't yeah. brought me a tea. Like, he didn't stroke my hair. He didn't lean over and give me a kiss on the cheek. And I just think, nah, that is all. Today that ends. That's like, gone. I am done with that. So yeah. you, you stop. Um, and people think that you've like stopped caring. And you, it only takes like a year or less. And they just, they've just they had enough and one out. Yeah. Um, so like after I got diagnosed, I told the girl I got with, by the way, I've got Asperger's. Do you know what I mean? And they were kind of like, I kind of know what that is, but I don't know what that is. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't explain to them what Asperger's was. Or I didn't say, look up like on Channel 4 documentaries or Google it. I just told them specifically how... What you were going to do. What it's like with me. I think I even gave them my diagnosis. Like, okay. it's like almost like, here's a pamphlet on me. Yeah. <laughs> like, before you get involved in this relationship, here's some things you should know. Yeah. Um, about That's my... a good way of going about it, though, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did do that. I did kind of warn them. I did say, look, before we get serious, like, here's what's going to happen. We'll probably do three months and you'll think I'm, like, the best person you've ever been with. And, and then, then outside those yeah. three months, you'll be like, what just happened? Like, and I was like, and it might just happen all of a sudden. And then I was like, and all relationships with me have ended because by the end of it, they've just gone, I can't be with you anymore because you don't do this. You don't do that. Um, and 
Do you know what I mean? They always go like, and at the start, you were all this and you were all that. Yeah. And I know you can do it. I want the old you back. Yeah, like you get a lot <laughs> yeah. of that. So I warned, I warned the relationship I got into all of this. Yeah. Um, and it did last longer. Like for me, the most relationships last for about a year, maybe two, um, because yeah. the person, like neurotypical people, like have this thing in their head that people can change. Yes. And that they can change them. But the thing you, that's the mistake you make when you date or get involved with anyone with Asperger's, um, especially someone that knows they've got it. If someone doesn't know they've got it, that's a nightmare. If you get a relationship with someone that doesn't, they don't know either, like, they also believe they can change too, and yeah. then get frustrated with themselves because they can't. Yeah, I mean, I did that. Like, I I mean, I've only had two relationships because of it, and both of them have only lasted, like, less than a year. Yeah, and when you get with someone that doesn't have it, uh, or knows they've got it, like, it's worse because... Uh, you think you can change them, but they know they won't. Yeah. Like, and I think I had that in my relationship, is I watched this person, like, try and change me and try and do everything they wanted to, and I just kind of felt like, what are you playing at? I'm not going to change. And once I was diagnosed and accepted it, I kind of had, like, this Asperger's and proud attitude about everything (laughs) anyway. So I refused. Like, every time she said, why can't you just... Like, if she got upset or cried and wanted a hug, and she said, why can't you just hug me... I, I kind of always did this kind of like, don't try and change me. Like, this is who I am. Yeah. You knew what you were getting yourself involved with. I warned you when we got together that this was going to happen and you chose to. So this is your own fault. I feel like I don't have to explain myself. Yeah. And that's how I was, which also isn't great if you're with someone that's like that. Yeah, like both both sides to that are not great. Um, the relationship ended because of the same reasons all the others ended. So even though I went into this one with a diagnosis, uh, yeah. the reasons we broke up are the same reasons every other relationship I've ever had ended. It's just, for this one, it wasn't like what just happened. I came out of it like, of course that happened. Yeah. That was going to happen. Why did I not think it was? Like, everyone should have seen that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like that's the only difference, I guess, since being diagnosed. Yeah. Is there anything other than just relationships, though? Um, like, you accepting, like, do you feel like you deal with things better? Like, for example, do you cope with meltdowns better or, like, things um, like that? Yeah, you kind of you kind of learn what your traits are, what your triggers are, yeah. and what the things are that affect you more than other stuff. So once you're aware of them, instead of, like, before diagnosis where you just blindly wander into stuff, yeah. like, you don't realise that, like, say you've got sound problems, so you're, you're sensitive to sound, uh, and there's, like, someone with, like, a pneumatic drill, like, tearing up, like, the road for roadworks, and you don't realise that that repetitive loud noise <laughs> is one of your triggers. You will just wonder. And like, yeah, like, getting annoyed and not knowing why. And just find yourself getting angry with people, but you don't understand why you're getting angry. Yeah. You just believe that the person you're talking to is just winding you up. Yeah. And it's their fault. Yeah. yeah. Um, but once you've been diagnosed, you're just like, it's not you, it's that. We need to move away from this and I'll be fine. Um and you just learn your traits, so it kind of does control your meltdowns because you see situations that you think, I'm not going to go near that because yeah. that is something that I can't deal with. Like, um, for example, a friend of mine is um, getting married soon, yeah. and they're getting married on an island. Yeah. Um, it's like a fort on an island, and the problem with that is you need a boat to get on there, and yeah. you have to get on there to get a boat to get on it. To yeah. do the thing. And there's only certain times the boats can leave. So you're trapped. Before diagnosis, I would have just gone and not realised that that's a problem until I was stuck on that island. Yeah. Um, but now I'm fully aware of that fact, 
that I have to weigh up whether it's worth it. Yeah. Like, should I go because, like, friends are getting married, they've been invited to their wedding, they want me there, I should go. But then there's this just like, but will I cope? Yeah. Um, and I don't want to have, like, a meltdown there because if I do, like, a meltdown at a wedding of, like, a guy my age, looks, yeah, yeah. it looks bizarre. It kind of looks like you're throwing a tantrum. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that as a girl my age, like, yeah. it's still the same. So you it's don't ridiculous. you don't want to do that. But before diagnosis, I'd have just said, yes, see you there, gone, had it. And then that, that might be one of the things that's remembered about their wedding day. Is, is yeah. Remember that guy that turned up and just full on, like, went mental for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Because there wasn't a boat coming when he thought there was. Like, there's supposed to be a boat at 8pm and then one at 11. But, like, what if the 8pm boat doesn't show up and yeah. that's the one I planned to go out on? But once you get diagnosed, you're aware of that. So then you weigh up the decision of, am I even going to go to this wedding? Is it worth it? Yeah. Like, what if that does happen? What if it... And you, you learn stuff like that. I mean, obviously, once you get diagnosed, it helps with jobs and that kind of thing. Because you can tell your employer, here's a big list of things that I can't do. Here's a big list of things that I can do, but I wouldn't recommend it. You've got that. Whereas yeah. previous to that, you have no explanation for any of it. So you find yourself like calling your boss all kinds of names or losing your temper with higher-ups that believe that you know, like, the chain of command and you know how to behave in public. So you're just choosing to be, like, um, belligerent or, like, purposely go out of your way to do something wrong when really, like... It's kind of like things like... People with Asperger's need to be explained how to do things differently to normal people. And if you don't have a diagnosis, they tell you the same way they tell everyone, you don't get it, do the job wrong... And they believe that they had told you everything right and you've just chosen to go out of your way. To ignore them yeah. and do it differently. But when you've got diagnosis, you just go, look, when you're going to teach me how to do something, here's the best way to do this with me if you want it to do properly. Yeah. Um, so there's that. That's handy. Um, like I say, relationships, work, and just all kinds of situations. You're aware of the fact that, like, what to expect when you go somewhere. And that yeah. helps you with your day-to-day life. Um, but that takes a while. You can't just get diagnosed and, and then, then it's fixed. your therapist goes, here's all the things that... This is your personal version of Asperger's right here. Yeah. Like, everyone's got it differently. Here's your version. It's on this DVD. Watch it. It'll tell you everything. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen. What happens is you get diagnosed, by the way, be aware of this. Uh, but then you still have to just blindly go about your life until something happens. But instead of you going... Why did I just lose my temper with that? Why have I smashed that? Why have I just shouted at that person? You just go, ah, Asperger's. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I've just done this. Um, And then you make a note of that in your head, or if you want, type it out, like whichever way you want to deal with it. Here's how I'm affected. So then when you come up to it again and someone goes, hey, do you want to go do this? You just think, no, 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 I can't. I'd love to, but no. It also makes it easier to get out of stuff um, that you know you can't do. When you tell someone, like, normal, I can't do this or I can't go to that, they go, come on, you'll yeah, be sure fine. You, sure you can. You'll be fine. You'll we'll be, be with me, it'll be fine. Yeah, but when you go, like, no, dude, you know, my Asperger's won't allow it, people just tend to go, fair enough, done. Yeah. Uh, so it's always handy for that as well. Okay. So do you ultimately feel like getting diagnosed was a good thing? Yeah, like, my only regret is I should have got it sooner, but I suppose had the girlfriend I was with at the time not told me to go into therapy, I probably still wouldn't be diagnosed now. Yeah. And things would be completely different. Like, I think I'd be completely different to where I am now. I think I'm way more relaxed. Like, I live on my own now, which I didn't realise would be a massive key to me having, like, a peaceful life. Yeah. Um, 
I was always in house shares. Like the second I got diagnosed, I got a social worker, and one of the first things my social worker did was like, "You need to be living on your own." Yeah. Um, because like, there's all kinds of reasons why you can't. I mean, you know, you've lived in house shares. Yeah. Um, there's loads of reasons why people <laughs> with Asperger's should not be living with other people. Uh, yeah. Uh, we just Completely. shouldn't. Like, yeah. I um, I but I wouldn't have known that. Like, I found that when I was in the three-person house share that I was in with my boyfriend and another guy, like, the other guy, I just hated him. And, like, it was nothing to do with him or what he did, but everything he did just became something that pissed me off. Yeah. So, like, that's an issue. Yeah, like, but if I hadn't been diagnosed, I probably still would have just been in and out of house shares and not realised why... Everything. Life is a struggle. Yeah why, yeah, why I was, like, miserable all the time. Yeah. Or, like, just stressed out and, like... Constantly, like, I just just weird stuff, like not being able to cook food in a kitchen that other people are in there. Yeah, that's a that's a thing. So you end up having to just eat dinner mega early by getting into the kitchen at like four in the afternoon because nobody else has gone in there yet. Um, but like, if I went to a kitchen and heard someone coming down the stairs that was coming to the kitchen, I'd just leave the kitchen. Yeah, that's what I did. Um, or you have to eat mega late when everybody else is eating at like ten o'clock, eleven o'clock at night. You go into the kitchen, but then you're like. That's messing with my routine there. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to be really quiet. Like, I used to be really quiet when I was in the kitchen and house shares. Like, if I had to use a pan, like, I delicately get it out of the cupboard and on the side because I didn't want anyone to know I was in there in case they came down and did the whole... So what are you having for dinner then? And yeah, just, yeah. And, like, my dinners were, like, the same thing every day. Like, I routinely get the same yeah. food every day. <laughs> yeah. um, so when you tell someone, oh, yeah, I'm having, like, jacket potato with whatever, they'd just be, like, for, like, the 20th day in a row. Yeah. And you'd be like, yeah... Um, and then you, I couldn't eat my food in front of other people, so you kind of just scurry to the kitchen. Yeah. Knock together your food as quick as you can. And, and because then you don't, run back to your room. And because you don't want to be in the kitchen that long, you can't really eat the things you want to eat. You have to eat stuff that's easily, like, crafted yeah. in, like, the space of five minutes. Yeah. And then quickly run back to your room, eat your food, and then, you know, wash your dishes up when no one's about. Like, yeah. But when you live on your own, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I can do, like, whatever. whatever. That's fine. Yeah. Um, you don't have to keep yourself locked in your bedroom all the time, which is something I always did. Yeah. Because I knew that if I was in the living room, people would want to talk. Talk, yeah. Uh, and when you've had a job where you just talk all day, you don't want to then talk to people at night. No, you don't. But, like, now I live on my own. Like, I'm never in my bedroom. Like, but I remember yeah. a long time before diagnosis, my bedroom was where I lived. Yeah. And the other rooms were just the parts of a building that other people occupied. Yeah, yeah, that's um, exactly the same for me. When I used kitchens, I always felt like even though I was paying rent for that place and it was my place, I felt like it wasn't my kitchen and it was somebody else's kitchen and I was quickly in there just to quickly use their stuff before they noticed and out again. Yeah. But now, like, it's my kitchen. Um, I'm a little bit weirder when people start, like, cooking yeah. or turn my oven on. I'm a little bit like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's my that's my oven get away from there yeah yeah so yeah, there's that yeah. that's a benefit but i wouldn't have figured that out if i was diagnosed um so yeah there's loads of stuff i mean i definitely would recommend getting diagnosed like given the choice i wouldn't be like oh i shouldn't have done it yeah I shouldn't have done it and loads of people warn you not to loads of people yes. tell you like it's a label for life and yeah you're always going to be known you're as branded that. you'll be branded like maybe you shouldn't get it done and you know you've got it but it's not official so you can choose whether to not or yeah like and people tell you that like oh you, you don't want to have a label like because i know people like don't want labels and like people are just like oh you can't label someone everyone's an individual and they feel like you're being put into like the system and you'll be labeled forever but like it took people a long time to realize that that's what i wanted yeah um and i was doing it because i wanted it 
yeah, like then you know where you stand. So I feel like at least you can accept yourself. Like, yeah, I mean that's the reason you're getting it done. Yeah, um, is because you want it. It's not because I've said you need it. Yeah, uh, go get it. Like you want it because you want it. Like I want that thing that says to me, "That's why you do the things you do." Like yeah. you're not just a massive baby about certain things or massively overreact like you will just do that yeah and it is so much easier like i said you don't have to then like because if it turns out you haven't got it if it turned out when they said to me it's not asperger's it's just this yeah uh that's worse because then you've got to do all this work you've got to do all this effort yeah you've got to find out yeah you've got to like decide that you're having to oh god i'm now gonna have to like work on myself and figure out what the problem is like it's a massive relief when someone goes it's this. Um, yeah. You're like, not that your brain doesn't work properly, but you're physically incapable of doing this. And no matter what you try, you'll never achieve it. So don't stress yourself out and try. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just get this wave of, thank God. Like, <laughs> oh, that's so much better. Like, if she'd have gone, like, you're a sociopath or like. <laughs> yeah, that would have been so much worse. You're like borderline psychotic. Like, you're just like, oh my God, really? <laughs> like, yeah, that's the reason why you don't feel any emotion because, you know, you're going to end up like killing someone um when they go no you're just you're just on the spectrum you're just autistic um there's nothing wrong with that you just your brain uh doesn't do the same thing as everybody else yeah it that's a more acceptable thing to hear you accept it you accept it straight away you just go yes thank you that's great the trouble is is you don't realize um what that actually means yeah. it's not till you then start realizing how much it's involved how big a part of your life it actually is and how it's like it's the core thing it's the root of it's everything. In everything you do yeah and it's does it's made everything so the way you behave and everything about you is because of this like yeah. people see it as you're a person and you have asperger's whereas i see it as i'm asperger's yeah and the person i've become is because of the way it does things i mean you realize the more you think about it and the more you see stuff you realize like it is literally everything I do. Yeah. It's the way I dress. It's like what I eat. It's, yeah. It's everything. It's what time I get up in the morning. It's like, my whole thought process yeah. all it's, day, every day. It's tied into everything. It's not just this thing that affects like, oh my God, I've got to talk to someone. Then it starts like, oh, by the way, I'm going to come out now. Yeah. You realise it's everything. Everything is like dictated by it. And it's just accepting that's how it works. Okay. But yeah, the diagnosis is makes you accept that without diagnosis it just makes you think that you're crazy and that one day you'll end up being like you'll end up being like committed um or you'll kill yourself i did think that yeah Yeah, i definitely thought that was a thing Mm. yeah Mm. nice okay (laughs) how do you wrap this up just that's a wrap okay i'm not not gonna end it with that that's like the worst ending ever i'll just end it there